0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to CEO Sit-Downs, where I, John Cannell, your host, have sit-down conversations with CEOs from all walks and all industries to hear their stories, pick their brains, and learn from their experience. On today's show, I am happy to welcome Todd Gravy. Todd is the CEO of Scooter's Coffee, one of the Midwest's premier specialty coffee shops. Known for its amazingly fast drive through specialty coffee, and baked-from-scratch pastries, Scooters is home to nearly 600 locations throughout the Midwest and looking to expand to 1,000 locations here in the next several years. If you ever wanted to learn more about Scooters, their business model, their franchises, and more, Todd is the guy to talk to. I certainly learned a lot from our conversation, and I am grateful that Todd gave me some of his time out of his busy schedule. So... Without further ado, I invite you to pull up a chair and listen in to my conversation with Todd Gravy. Hello Todd, welcome to the show. Happy to have you.
1: Thanks, John. I'm happy to be here.
0: Thank you for giving me some of your time today. I really appreciate it. Um first things first Todd I'd like to know more about you. So take us back as far as you'd like give us an idea walk let us walk with you rather on your career journey.
1: Sure sure well I I graduated from uh the University of Nebraska in Lincoln uh in the early 90s and uh with a degree in business and in accounting and ultimately became a CPA and worked for a, a public accounting firm in Omaha for about 8 years uh before I uh, decided to go private and, and move on and took a chief financial officer role with a, a marine builder in Florida for a short period. And, and uh great experience that was a, a, really a, a, an important and profound part of my journey in, in terms of learning about businesses and consulting clients and, and whatnot. Uh, in 2004, uh, my sister and brother-in-law called me, I was in Florida with my role there. Uh, and wanted to talk about maybe building coffee houses, and you know at that time, you know, you know the Starbucks of the world were, were something a little bit new to me, at least in terms of where I lived in Florida. And so they wanted to uh, go build some coffee houses back in the Midwest, Omaha, but in particular Kansas City. Uh, you know, Scooter's Coffee is headquartered in Omaha, but we were going to pioneer, if you will, uh, Scooters into Kansas City. So long story short I agreed to partner with my family there my sister and my brother-in-law and uh, we moved on to Kansas City and began building uh, Scooters Coffee houses as a part of the franchise system at that time Scooters Coffee was primarily an Omaha based company in 2005 Don and Linda Eccles had founded the company back in 1997 but you know Scooters Coffee was 25 or 30 stores Omaha a little bit expanding into Lincoln at that time. And so my family and I uh, took scooters to Casey and began building stores and um, expanding the brand there. Uh, did that for a few years uh, with them, uh, an amazing journey of entrepreneurship and certainly some learnings along the way there too in Kansas City. Uh, in 2008 then I, I had an opportunity to move from Kansas City back to Omaha. And, uh, and serve the scooters organization as the chief financial officer. And so I did that in, in the middle of 2008 and, and partnered with Don Eccles uh, and, and some others in 2010. And we began to build scooters uh, even more proactively than we had before. Um, and, uh, and then in 2000, uh, I think it was 2016, Don uh, took the position as a chairman of the company. And I had the opportunity to become CEO of the company in 2016. And, and that's where I sit today uh, with Scooter's Coffee and in our sister company, Harvest Roasting here in Omaha. And uh, we've got uh, uh, big dreams for the future.
0: I have to ask, had you ever tried Scooter's Coffee before you started building coffee houses?
1: No, I I had not. My sister and brother-in-law they had one scooters in Omaha. Uh, It was actually it's actually the store out on West Center Road. They built that store, and so now I committed to uh, coming back to Omaha. Uh, You know, we had a business plan in mind, but I had not yet tasted the coffee. However, I had heard about Scooters Coffee through them and others, and and the quality of the coffee and the quality of the um, of the brand and the experience. So I was I was sold.
0: Amazing. Tell me more about Scooters, the organization, because as you said, there's been a lot of growth within the last 10, 12 years, but give us an idea of just how big Scooters is.
1: Yeah. You know, if you, I'm going to go back five years, uh, five or six, actually about seven or eight years. And Don Don Eccles and I have been business partners for many years. And, and, you know, in 2000, I would say about seven years ago, We uh, we began to see something happening at scooters in terms of uh, success for our franchisees. We're a franchise concept, of course. Most of the scooters uh, in the country are owned by franchisees. We do own some corporate stores, but we were we were noticing and, and really striving for unit level profitability and success of franchisees. Success of our franchisees is fundamental to us and matters deeply to us, and they were growing their sales and they were growing their earnings at unit level. And 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 by extension, demand for the brand and the and the model and the franchise concept was growing. And and so Don and I would sit sometimes in our offices in the evening and just where 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 is this going? What what's the opportunity ahead of us? We could we could continue to grow organically. And at that time I think we were opening up maybe eight to 15 stores a year in a good year. Uh, We could continue to do that, have a great business life, help franchisees be successful. Uh, But we also felt like maybe there's a once in a lifetime opportunity to do something bigger than we had ever dreamed. And so uh, with the growing demand, the the growth in unit level profitability and growth of the company and the brand and the relevance of the brand in the Midwest, uh, we felt like we wanted to approach it more with a proactive investment posture. And so we began to invest uh in uh, our roasting facility we bought a larger warehouse in omaha uh, over at 68 and j higher capacity roasting and baking equipment and packaging equipment and more most importantly we knew that we couldn't do this on our own we needed to bring in talented leaders and individuals to help us uh, pull the wagon and and so we did that we invested it in talented leaders Uh, roasting uh, and warehousing and truck a truck line and and then leaned in on the possibility in terms of of, of presenting the opportunity to more prospective franchisees around the country and we began to see the movement uh, from there and we we opened up 35 stores our best year ever in uh, about five or six years ago. And then the next year we opened up 65 stores and it began to take on a little bit of a life of its own. Uh, this, the synergies of growth helped, helped with expansion and, um, and we set big goals too. And I, and I think that's important in business that it, you certainly need a resource ahead of the curve, but we set big goals and uh, even what some might have considered audacious goals for the future. and, Four years ago, we had 150 stores uh, in, a, in 10 or 15 states. Um, we set a goal of 1,000 stores by 2024 and, um, and committed to that. And it's interesting when you set audacious goals like that, it, it really forces you to do some introspection on how you're gonna get there. And of course, resourcing into the curve. The curve. And in fact, I often say it gives you new permissions to resource differently than before. This is our goal. Let's rally around that. Let's let's uh, set a goal and even an audacious goal of thousand stores by twenty four, and the permissions to invest, the permissions we granted to ourselves to invest differently emerged, and and so we sit today now, with, uh, about four years after that goal of thousand stores, with um, approaching six hundred stores, and uh, I think that we'll we'll hit that target goal by two thousand by Q1 of 24 and 1,000 stores. Uh, But it's interesting when you set audacious goals like that, and they were audacious enough that I think a lot of, some folks maybe didn't, is that really a possibility? Can you really get 1,000 stores by 24? But if you resource it, you stay committed to it with discipline. Um, And of course, making sure that those coming along with us, our franchises and employees are successful right alongside us. Um, And then you begin to see that, You know, we're going to hit that goal. It it looks like we're going to hit that goal by 2024. Then I think uh, those within our organization begin to dream even bigger. And so we've got, we've got some, some ideas on where we might be able to go by the end of, uh, by the end of the decade, in terms of domestic expansion, and even beginning to explore a little bit international expansion at the moment.
0: Tell me more about your, your business model fundamentally, because there's no shortage of coffee houses in the United States. Tell me what sets scooters apart. What gives you guys a competitive advantage?
1: Right. I, we even sometimes talk about a competitive advantage, John, but also this window of opportunity as we sit here in late 2022, what would be our advantages or what would create a competitive advantage in, in primarily through the filters of franchisee success? franchisees that come into our organization are trusting that this model is going to work for them. They're making significant investments in a coffee house and more often than not multiple coffee houses. And so it needs to work for them. And we take that very seriously and, and the deep responsibility we have for their success. So we're always looking at the model and its success. The business model for us is our company owns Scooter's Coffee, the franchise and the brand. We franchise out a, 670 square foot drive through. I'm going to call it a drive through kiosk. You've seen them around the Midwest and certainly in Omaha. Um, but that's our model. And, it's a, and our focus is drive through. We want to be a drive through coffee. Now, in the past, we have, we have built a few, in a few malls and, and in some other non drive through or non traditional uh, uh, areas or uh, platforms, but it's all about drive through for us. Uh, to create distinction then in a competitive coffee landscape nationally, you do need to show up differently potentially. So for us, it's about focusing on selecting A sites, the 670 square foot drive-through kiosk, drive-through in mind, and, uh, and then uh, through the filters of amazing people serving amazing drinks amazingly fast. And, and speed of service is a critical component of our distinction. I think also though, John, one of our advantages is frankly being positioned in the Midwest, headquartered in Omaha, Nebraska, gives us uh, certain advantages. Uh, I believe the Midwest is underserved in terms of specialty coffee still today. And so positioned in the Midwest and with a a fairly significant Midwest um, footprint at the moment, uh, we're in a really good position to fortify that position in the Midwest with competition. Um, uh, just ge- where we're located geographically. And then I think as important as anything and an advantage that we have is that we're uh, vertically integrated in terms of supply chain. So we, we uh, are expanding Scooter's Coffee through the platform of successful franchisees owning multiple stores and running alongside that then is uh, Harvest Roasting. Which is the sister a sister company, if you will, of Scooters Coffee, supplying our franchisees, main, well, production of coffee, roasting of coffee and baked goods, and supplying about ninety five percent of what franchisees need in their stores. And the reason that's so important for us, and I think gives us a competitive advantage, is uh, with that vertical integration, is we now, through again, franchisee success in mind, we're able to control quality. So we have quality control over the product in our stores. We're able to scale differently. 500 going on a thousand stores allows for economies of scale and the passing through of those economic advantages to our franchisees and their bottom line. Uh, And then just continuity of supply chain. And I think that showed up profoundly for us through the pandemic uh, where supply chain was a challenge in the world, everywhere through a worldwide pandemic. But because we had committed to a vertically integrated company with supply chain intact and fortified for our franchisees, our franchisees were able to navigate through a tough season with the pandemic. Drive-through, being deemed an essential business, allowed us to navigate through the pandemic and remain open in in 95% of our stores. But the continuity of supply chain to those stores at the same time gave our franchisees maybe a competitive advantage as well in terms of being on time and in full with supply every week. Uh, So for us, again, it's about knowing who we are. It's a drive-through kiosk, supply chain running alongside that for a maybe a little more muscular and vertically integrated position in the Midwest in an underserved marketplace. And we're going to expand beyond that. We're going to be in 35 states uh, by the end of 23. But with a Midwest footprint, I think, in an underserved marketplace, uh, gives us an
0: advantage. How many states are you in currently?
1: We have commitments to uh, about 32 or 33 states. Commitments meaning some states, like we just uh, are going into Mississippi, uh, for example. We have commitments for stores there, but not yet open. I believe in terms of of states where we have open stores, operating is about 28 states right now.
0: Hey, everybody. Do you enjoy Twitter, but find yourself doom scrolling and wasting too many hours reading Elon Musk's tweets? Do you want to stay up to date with your favorite writers, actors, and public figures without falling into the sinkhole that is your Twitter feed? If that's the case, you need to go to mailbrew.com. Mailbrew allows you to create a personal digest of your favorite Twitter accounts delivered to your email every morning. Simply set it, forget it, and wait for the email in your inbox. The best part is it's free. I use it myself to keep up with a number of personalities without getting sucked into Twitter's black hole, and I can't recommend it enough. Again, it's mailbrew.com. Start saving your precious time and sign up today. Now, let's get back to the conversation. So, say I am wanting to open a Scooters franchise. Give us an idea of what's required, what the process is like. How, how, do, you, how do you keep that essential company culture, that quality as you continue to franchise out?
1: Well, it's, it's the right question to ask and a critical one. Uh, how do you hold on to who you are in terms of culture and core values? Our core values are integrity, love, humility, and courage. And we talk about us, the Scooters Coffee organization as being a family. But as you march to a thousand stores is there a risk that you become something different than you once were so we want to hold tightly to and protect core values while we grow um and and so uh it, to, to get back to one of your questions i think which is what does it take to be a franchisee or what's that process and i think you've hit a, a crop on the points on a baseline of course a franchisee prospect needs to be qualified financially to build and build a store they need to be able to capitalize a store and we have banks and business part and partnerships and strategies for, for capitalization. So there needs to be that, you know, a, a, a financial um, filter that we go through first. And then it's I think as important, even more important than that is compatibility in terms of how we see the world and our core values. So one of the first questions we ask prospective franchisees is, let's talk about the business model, what it's going to cost to get into. Let's talk about your where you want to build stores geographically, um, operational excellence, and a commitment to that, and, a, and to protecting the brand, and then just our core values: integrity, love, humility, and courage. And, and frankly, if those values uh, maybe don't resonate with a prospective franchisee, that's a pretty uh, quick stopping point for us. So it's really as a as a prospect, we get we get eight or eight hundred to a thousand. Contacts a month with folks wanting to franchise scooters, and that typically gets distilled down to about twenty to twenty-five. That um, we go through a final step to to consider it bilaterally. This is a mutually um, right uh, arrangement. We're going to be in partnership for a couple of decades, so we want to make sure there's compatibility there, and compatibility is always through the filters of our core values, and of course, operational excellence. And how that shows up in a drive through kiosk or multiple stores on a franchisee's platform. Um, So that's the process. Most people come to us through the website. Some call, uh, a lot of referrals. Many of our existing franchisees came simply through referrals of current franchisees who are in the business and enjoying the business and the relationship with scooters. And they'll refer new franchisees to us that want to build stores. So, referrals, website, phone calls. 800 to 1,000 contacts per month, and then we've distilled that down to, to those, um, those prospects that, uh, you know, bilaterally, we feel like that's a good relationship.
0: Now, have you guys gotten to the point where certain cities, certain markets are just so saturated with scooters that you say, no more franchisees? Because, I mean, just thinking here in Omaha, I can name several off the top of my head that wouldn't be a five-minute drive from here. So,
1: A few. A few. Omaha would be one of those. Uh, you know, the founding city, we have we have quite a few stores here, as you know. And there's some opportunity for a few more. You'll see a few more go up in the next few years as uh, as we sort of finish Omaha. Lincoln, Nebraska, of course, is is pretty populated with stores. There'll be a few more built there. But beyond that, actually, there are there are areas of the country where the competition is more dense or you know, Starbucks or or other competitors up in the upper northwest. Uh, are, it's, it's more dense. But not, it, it's a, the model is interesting in that the capacity of the model is surprising to people. How many drive-through houses can you have in a marketplace? And certainly we don't want to ever cannibalize our own stores. We're never going to do that. Our friend, that's not, we need to protect our franchisees from that. But in, in terms of density of competition, there aren't many markets around the country where, that we wouldn't consider. There are some more dense, and then there are some areas of the country that are, uh, have no competition, that we wanna you know, pursue proactively. There are some areas of the country that we may not pursue at the moment, not so much because of a density of competition, although that's always something to consider, but we wanna make sure that we can support franchisees with excellence and also through uh, distribution. So there are some markets that we're just not gonna go to quite yet, until, we can, until the natural progression of the brand and distribution gets there so that we can do it in the right way on behalf of our franchisees and financially efficiently and in the right way. Uh, so if you don't see us at, you know, going after certain markets at the moment, it might be more through the filter of support and distribution than necessarily density of competition. All of it has to be weighted in consideration though. Um, So what you'll, you'll know that if you look at our website, you'll see the Midwest becoming more dense. We're expanding generally more south and east, although we are expanding to the west and north as well. And you would just see this natural progression in that direction. Right alongside that, we're building distribution centers through harvest roasting so that we can extend that arm just a little bit further. And I'll give you an example. We have distribution centers two in Omaha Uh, We're going to have two in Kansas City uh, by next year, Dallas, Atlanta, and we're looking at an Ohio distribution center so that we can then, in the right way, stretch a little bit further to the east. But those are the filters by which we're contemplating expansion. And, you know, competition's important, so we're considering that too, but it's about excellent support to our franchisees and excellent continuity of, of product to their stores.
0: Hey, everybody. This is the last time I'll interrupt the interview. I promise. All I wanted to say is that if you're friends with any CEOs or just want to suggest a company whose CEO you'd like me to interview, let me know. Feel free to email me at john at ceositdowns.com. Any and all suggestions are appreciated. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Talk to me a little bit about brand loyalty because I think a lot of folks underestimate the power of a brand. I can't remember, but there was some study I read a while back where half the time we don't even read what's in a sign. We just know the colors. We know the font. We know the shape. That's it. Tell us about how Scooters approaches the brand, how it approaches just the different loyalties that go with coffee companies.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. Loyalty is a part of, of coffee in general for us and our competition. You could look at our competitors and they have loyal customers too. And here's why loyalty I think is so profound in coffee in particular. Coffee is a very, uh, there's something warm about it. Coffee is relational. Everybody would, I think, think of coffee through the filter of relationship. But think about our stores. We have customers that come three to five times per week. So getting back to the word loyalty. And I know you're speaking a little more through the filter of, of brand loyalty or just the relevance or awareness of a brand. And that's grow, that'll just grow by extension with, you know, 500 to 1,000 stores. Um, but loyalty in our model is unique in that our customers, even through a drive through lane, get to know their baristas through, just through frequency, three times a week. So they get to know each other. They see each other at the grocery store later in the community. And we're in small, medium and large markets around the country. So it's very relational, which in turn engenders loyalty. And then loyalty is, of course, driven by the experience, certainly the relationship with the customers. But we have to be able to deliver world-class coffee. We need to do it fast through a drive-thru lane. We want to respect our customers' time. That drives loyalty. Great drinks produces loyalty to a brand. A smile and a look in the eye from a barista that remembers your name will produce loyalty. Um, And then of course, just expansion of the brand and just relevance of it or just awareness of the brand it contributes to that as well. But as we um, respectfully compete with other coffee companies around the country, they have the same advantage too, in that coffee customers come three to five times per week. So by extension, they're just, just the frequency and the relationship with baristas we're, as human beings, we're built relationally. So, and with that comes loyalty. So that's that's a part of it. So as we think about our business and the success of our franchisees, understanding how important loyalty is in our business and in particular with our model and the coffee model, uh, we need to understand that if we wanna give our franchisees and our stores the best chance for success. Um, But, you know, we can go into new markets too, which is, this is interesting. We can go into new markets like uh, we were opening up in Alabama now in some smaller communities. They don't know who Scooter's Coffee is, but here's what they see go up in their community. Often there's no competition. They see this building go up, it's 660, 70 square feet. Scooter's Coffee drive-through signs are placed on the building. They know exactly what's come into their community, which is is it's drive-through specialty coffee and so even though they don't know the brand and they're maybe not yet loyal to the brand we have really uh, busy stores open up day one in some of these communities where the brand isn't yet known but they but specialty coffee has become such a part of the dna of of american culture now that they know what it is and they're going to come there's no competition serv- servicing that morning pipeline at the moment then sustained loyalty comes later through all the the Components, I mentioned, like great drinks, relationship with baristas through frequency of seeing them every day, um, genuine and authentic care for customers, great products, speed of service.
0: Amazing. Tell me, Todd, in the havoc of COVID-19, you as CEO, what was your greatest worry? What was that greatest moment of uncertainty?
1: Yeah. Well, we all, we all remember it poignantly, don't we? I mean, it'll be with us forever, but, you know, uh, we, we head into March 2020 and you're hearing about this and you don't know. I mean, who? none of us have gone through a worldwide pandemic, so we don't really know what's before us. Uh, you know, masks and uh, deemed an essential business, all these learnings that, that came, but it was in the first or second week of March that that every coffee coffee company and other restaurants and QSR, everybody dropped. I mean, it just is what it was. And and it was, you know, it it was worrisome, but but we also knew who we were as a company. We knew the strength and uh, how strong our franchisees were. We're a vertically integrated company. So supply chain was gonna be maybe a little more intact than others. So we, uh, the leaders at Scooters reached out to every franchisee. And what we didn't want to do is to have franchisees or us maybe panic and maybe start letting, letting baristas go. And I'm going to begin to cinch the belt a little bit. So I fortify myself and, or brace myself for what's coming. But we just called and encouraged them and said, just, we're going to, we're here for you. We're going to work through this together. Be careful about, let's say, cutting staff. Let's not do that. Because we believe we're going to come out of this on the other side stronger and you don't want to, you know, cut staff or cause more harm than is necessary through this tough time. And so we saw sales drop a little bit and then three or four weeks and we called franchisees, too, and said, if you need any help with supply, we're here for you. Just call us and talk to us. We'll help you with that if needed. But we don't want you to not have product and we want you to have staff because we're going to come out the other side of this. And it was just a few weeks later that you began to see the trend come back the other direction, at least uh, as far as um, scooters was concerned. And I, I always say this, not being wanting to be insensitive to maybe other businesses um, that you know didn't do as well through COVID, and I don't want to be insensitive to that because it was a tough time for many businesses and small businesses in particular. But as a franchise system, having hung our hat on drive-through twenty years earlier. Uh, supply chain fortification in place, it put us in, you know, what we believe was, in looking back at it now, a pretty, pretty solid position to be able to navigate the waters of the day, and and we did, and and ended up um, navigating it through it just fine uh, in twenty twenty, and even into twenty one. The ripple effects of supply chain were less impactful for us maybe than for others, so we were in a good place.
0: Yeah, very fortuitous place, um, no doubt about that. Tell me though, as the CEO of scooters for several years now what accomplishment are you proudest of
1: I think uh, oh that's a that's a good question I, I'll tell you the accomplishment can be tied probably to what gets me out of the bed in the morning um, and excites me and i I've always been kind of a small business guy it feels a little different today at scooters as we've grown but I, I still have this sort of Going back to Kansas City in 2005, and we were bringing a business out of the ground and everything that comes with entrepreneurship and grittiness and building a business. And now, you know, 18 years later, at least for me, to be able to help franchisees be successful, these small businesses, a mother and a daughter that wanna go build a coffee house together or build a few stores, a husband and a wife, a lot of small businesses, families, building franchisees, building a legacy for their families and their kids join when they maybe they graduate, they join the family business and they they build their scooters enterprise. And then right alongside that, hiring more employees, I think we hired, uh, we're going to hire about 250 new employees in 2022, giving career opportunities. And I mean, career opportunities forever. We want people to retire with us, stay with us forever. But I think with growth also the opportunities that we're able to give to franchisees to be successful in our employees and of course our investors uh, is something to be proud of but what you know when i get out of bed in the morning and i'm and and i'm excited for the day it's it's thinking about that new franchisee that that maybe that husband and wife and their son that are going to go build stores together in michigan or or tennessee is um it does feel like something we can be proud of at Scooters. It's, it's it's a lot of work, but it it's exciting and it's meaningful for us. But in particular, when it's done through with aligned franchisees who believe in our core values as well. I also think that on that point, and getting back to something you said earlier, which is one of the challenges with growth, is at you know I entered the Scooters Coffee System at 25 stores in Omaha, and we were going to go on to Kansas City, and there was a family atmosphere to it. It really felt like that with Don and Linda Eccles, the founders of the company, this family atmosphere. And here we are now at 500 going on 600 stores, and it still feels like a family. There's a lot of employees and franchisees and employees of franchisees. And so I think that something that I think the leadership at Scooters and our franchisees can be proud of is that we're protecting that feeling of family, even in the midst of growth. Uh, and the challenge ahead of us that we can still be proud of in the future is that we remained a family, that we grew but yet held on to these, these, you grow big and stay small, if you will. You probably heard that term before. But how do you grow big but yet still hold on to your values? How do you be a company that's finding success? It, it, but? but walks with a posture of humility through that and success for others and putting others first. And so I think putting others first and the success of others through the, through the journey here has been something that for me and I think other leaders and Don and Linda Eccles as well, that uh, makes us proud.
0: Tell me more about Don and Linda, because in preparing for our conversation today, I watched a video from the Omaha Business Hall of Fame and it was really good. I think it really captured the essence of what you were just saying there. But tell me more about them.
1: Well, uh, let me take my core values, our, our core values, which uh, Donna and I and other leaders, you know, um, cast years ago. And they were really a part of the original founding for Don and Linda. I, I, when I think of Donna and Linda, I think of entrepreneurship like really gritty entrepreneurship. I mean, bringing founding scooters on one store at 24th and Cornhusker in 19, when they opened it, they, they started the journey in 97, opened the store in 98. The store is still there today, but it wasn't easy. You know, the, Don can tell these stories, but, and he does all the time. Don's a storyteller, loves to tell stories of the past, but it wasn't easy to start. They had to fight and scrap like anybody else that starts a business. He, he'll often say in humility, he would have never dreamed that we'd be, at 600 stores going on 1,000 in 32 states, it, you just would have never thought of that. And that's a reflection of who they are, actually humble Midwest folks, family, um, wanting to hold on tightly to family. Yet, so being entrepreneurial and gritty and not afraid to compete, yet humble in posture with family atmosphere in mind, um, I would say they're passionate. Kind Linda Eccles as kind a human being as you'll ever meet, kindness uh, is really, if you could roll it all up together and, and into what who Don and Linda are and what they still believe today is, as active uh, participants in the business uh, is, or is all of that. It's the combination of grit and entrepreneurship, dreaming big, yet kind and humble and wanting to hold tight to family. And so other leaders, like I mentioned earlier, one of the, I think, What we can be um, happy about at Scooters or proud of at Scooters is is the holding on to that family atmosphere, which is a legacy of of Don and Linda Eccles and their their family.
0: That's amazing. And I encourage everyone listening, just Google that video, Omaha Business Hall of Fame, Don and Linda Eccles. I mean, it, it was really cool to watch and to hear their story. Um, But Todd, I'm afraid we're almost out of time. Why don't you give any parting words you have to our listeners, anything about yourself, scooters, everything's on the table.
1: Everything's on the table. Well, um, you know, I would just say for those that are listening and those that might be listening, they could be uh, maybe somebody pursuing their own dreams. And uh, um, and, But gosh, there's so much to unpack there. But pursuing your dreams, building your own business, Maybe not building your own business, but pursuing your dreams anyway. Stick with it. I, uh, I am going to come back to a particular word I was using there, maybe to to um, uh, to finish off our 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 moment here together. I, I was watching a a, uh, a video a couple a few years ago, and I shared this with our franchisees, and it was a video on. Um, Uh, it was a lady, uh, her name's Angela Duckworth, and and it's a TED Talk video, you can look it up later. But she's talking about, she did a study, she was a psychologist, and she did, she wanted to understand, um, you know, what makes successful people successful? What is it? And, you know, what characteristics do they have? Is there any way to delineate that in some way, successful people? And so, she and her team um, did a uh, a study, and I'm paraphrasing all of this a little bit, but she did a study uh, review, uh, looking at business people, uh, a, a company, um, uh, students in high school, um, uh, junior high um, spelling bee contestants, military academy, and she's looking for a common denominator amongst successful people or businesses, and and uh, and one feature of them kept bubbling to the top as the most profound feature of successful people. And it may not be what you normally think, like, let's say, uh, education. And that's important. Don't get me wrong. Education is important. Uh, IQ or or emotional intelligence, very important. Family background. Um, uh, it was none of that. The, the most profound feature in successful people or businesses was simply grit. Grittier. And, and you can look up her TED Talk video, grittier uh, folks in all of those uh, avenues of life that I just mentioned, bubbled up as more, most successful. And what, what is grit really? And I think about grit through the filter of our franchisees and what we've been able to achieve too. It's, uh, it's just a sustained commitment with discipline to long-term goals. And I think uh, I would anybody that's listening, I would just encourage, stick with it, stay gritty. Because I think a lot of times, a lot of times people or businesses are this close to breaking through to some component of oxygen or whatever that is, they're this close. And with just a little bit more fortitude or, or grit, they can find their way. And you know, I can tell you back in Kansas City years ago, we had to be a little gritty to, to get out of the gate. Don and Linda had to be gritty opening up that first store, 24th and Cornusker, a sustained commitment sort of fortitude toward long-term goals. And so I would encourage anyone out there that's that's fighting their fight or dreaming their dream that they just uh, stick to itness and grittiness is is a key component of success.
0: Amen. And real quick here, tell us where folks can learn more about scooters if you want to work there, franchise, give us the rundown.
1: Scooterscoffee.com, great starting point, and then you can go from there or certainly just call us directly
0: awesome and everyone listening be sure to visit scooters and be drinking one of their drinks as you listen so uh to wrap up here i just want to thank you so much todd for giving me some of your time today i certainly appreciate it as do all of our listeners and hopefully we'll talk again soon i hope we do thanks john awesome take care whether you allowed us to keep you company on your ride home from the office during your workout or as you were getting ready for the day i appreciate you taking the time to listen to this conversation Be sure to subscribe and follow CEO Sit Downs on whatever podcast platform you use, and I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review, as it helps others find the podcast in the future. And if today's episode called to mind a friend or family member who you think would really enjoy today's conversation, go ahead and share this episode with them. I'd certainly appreciate it, and hopefully, they will too. Thanks again for listening, and may you have a pleasant day, wherever you may be.